Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, everybody, Scott Luton and Kelly Barner right here with you on Supply Chain Now, the Dial P for Procurement edition of the live stream here today. Kelly, how are we doing? I am doing great. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday already, halfway, more than halfway through August. But Dial P for Procurement has been a hit here, a Hollywood certified hit. <laughs> Check out the Dirty Rotten Tomato rankings, you name it. And of course, we conduct and present this jointly with our dear friends over at Buyers Meeting Point. So Kelly, we have quite an episode teed up as we are winding the summer down. Is that right? Yes. Yes, we absolutely do. I actually think everybody is really going to enjoy today's lightning round. Not an entire spoiler alert, but if anybody who happens to be watching or listening in has a dog that's part of their family that they would like to share, we're going to we're going to learn some stuff from our canine friends this morning uh, as part of our conversation about customer experience, which is part of our three month series with our friends from the team at Una. Last month, we had Anthony and Chris on with us. Uh, today, we have another member of their team. And if you like what you're hearing here from Una, I also recommend the Sourcing Hero podcast, which I host for them. It's a weekly podcast that hits Wednesday mornings at 6 a.m. Eastern. Um, and it's we've got huge latitude. So we're telling all kinds of stories of business, procurement, and sourcing heroism. That is right. Great group over there, Una. They are on the move for sure. And of course, the Art of Procurement. Man, AOP, uh, speaking about a group churning out the great content. So we're going to say hello to a few folks here momentarily before we bring on our featured guests. But really quick, Kelly, we got a couple of big events coming up yes, we that sure we want do. to make sure folks know about. So uh, for starters, Supply Chain Insights Global Summit hosted and created and uh, mayored by Lars Cesare, <laughs> the one and only, coming up in September, the 7th through the 9th, 2021. Supply Chain Now is pleased to be the exclusive virtual host. So join us there. And Kelly, you're going to be joining us for a half day as part of the broadcast team, right? I am going to be. And I'm thrilled because as people know, I'm a huge fan of books. I've read all of Laura's books. They are absolutely amazing. And so based on sort of that approach to supply chain and her own philosophy on managing things, I'm really excited to hear the insights coming out of this event. Required reading for sure. So Definitely. join us there and and uh, there's a fee involved. You got to register to be a part of it. But as Greg White mentioned yesterday, hey, if your boss or manager, you name it, doesn't approve it, yeah. send them to Greg and <laughs> or send him or her to Greg and, and he'll make the business case for you. So join us for that in September. Also, December 8th, come join Kelly and I and the Art of Procurement team uh, mm -hmm. as we celebrate a ton of good news across the globe when, from a supply chain and procurement awards standpoint. Kelly, we're partnering with the great folks over at Hope for Justice, whose mission it is to eradicate global slavery wherever it is. So great event teed up in December, right? Absolutely a great event. And you just recently interviewed the CEO of Hope for Justice, right? We heard some amazing stories. Uh, probably my big takeaway from that conversation is that although most of us, especially living in North America and Western Europe, think of human trafficking and slavery as a far, far away problem, it is not. In many That's cases, right. it is much closer to home than we realize. So this is a, a good cause that we're celebrating along with some very good news from industry. That's right. And uh, the, our Supply Chain Now team is really pleased to partner with both Buyers Meeting Point and Art of Procurement to feature these this December 8th event. So registrations, nominations, sponsorships all open at yep. SupplyChainProcurementAwards.com. Okay. But today, today we've got an outstanding conversation teed up. Just before we bring on our featured guests, let's, let's say hello to a few of the folks that are dialed in today. No pun intended. Of course, we got Clay <laughs> and Amanda tuned in uh, in the green room, helping to uh, make the production happen today, along with Jada and Alice. So we're very appreciative of that. Peter Bollet, all night and all day, is back with us here today. He's looking forward to the discussion via LinkedIn. Great to see you, Peter. Hey, Peter. Mohib from Wichita, Kansas, the air capital of the world. He's looking towards building stronger relationships. How about that, Kelly? 
Oh, and you already have strong relationships with us, Mohib. We'll give you some advice for building strong relationships with others, but you're good here. <laughs> awesome. Uh, legit. Legit Vinsley. Hey, everyone else. Got a great business proposal. Oh, man. Don't leave us in the lurch. Legit. Let us know what's <laughs> going on there. Uh, but thanks for joining us via LinkedIn here today. One of our favorites, Sylvia Judy, the monarch of jams and jellies and the like. Of course, she also, Kelly, resides in the holy city of Charleston. Where it's apparently raining. Yes. So it's a good day to either make or eat jams and jellies. That is right. Felicia Prisbala is with us. Uh, of course, she's part of the Reverse Logistics Association dynamic team. Great to see you, Felicia. Kavan is back with us. Kavan, you've been heads down, really busy. Looking forward to your contributions here today on today's live stream. Let's see here. Peter had to switch over. YouTube's good. So if you're having any issues on LinkedIn, you know, we're across five social uh, channels right this minute. YouTube might be the easiest one. So join old PB over there. It's and a we look dashing to picture, Peter. Like it that. is, isn't it? I like it. Heard of James Bond. <laughs> oh, man, Peter, you hear that? <laughs> Sushil is back with us, uh, tuned in via LinkedIn. Great to see you, Sushil. Great to have you back. Azalea is with us via LinkedIn. Good morning to you. Hey, David. Kozan is back with us. Now, Kelly, it's been a little while. And David also has a new headshot. He does. You know, it's nice seeing everybody's headshots start to update. Not that we're getting to see anyone face-to-face -face anymore, at least not yet. So we're all looking for those little changes to pop up in the in the avatars across platforms. That is right. And David, we lo love that headshot. And I love to hear you've had an amazing month-long road trip. We want to see some pictures and hear some stories there. That would be outstanding. And then finally, Gregory. The Shakespeare of supply chain is with us here today. Gregory, great to see you on LinkedIn. All right, and hello and welcome, everybody. I know we couldn't get to everybody there, but we've got a great conversation teed up. Um, Kelly, are we ready to introduce our esteemed guest here today? We definitely are. Okay, let's do it. With no further ado, want to welcome in Crystal Villarreal, Member Experience Manager at UNA, and Philip Addison, Founder and Managing Director at Art of Procurement. Hey, hey, good afternoon, Phil and Crystal. How are we doing? Good. Yeah, good. Thank you, Scott. Kelly, I'm delighted to be here. Glad well, to have you guys. We are delighted over the moon to have you. We really enjoyed, Kelly, I really enjoyed and our teams, a wonderful pre-show conversation that went from food to dogs and, <laughs> and then some birds, <laughs> lots of birds. <laughs> Crystal gave us a good, so if you see Crystal or I looking out the window this way, <laughs> We're tracking some gorgeous birds and hummingbirds just out our windows, but uh, great to have you here. And Kelly, I think a little birdie has told me we're going to start with our lightning round this morning. Is that right? We are. And I think it's probably, I'm going to call my shot. This is probably going to be the most popular, most successful lightning round you've ever had on supply chain. <laughs> Phil's and Crystal's smile both give it away. We're talking about in this lightning round, one of our favorite topics. No, not food this time. We're talking dogs. And so I want to, uh, first off, everyone in the Skybox seats, uh, formerly known as the cheap seats, they're the best seats. Hey, send in pictures of your canines, your pets, but your canines. We want to put a collage together, and I bet there's a lot of dog lovers here. And by the way, Crystal, Catherine says you look fabulous today. And Crystal, Catherine says you are number one on her favorite person of all time. I think that might come... That, that might come with a championship belt. I'm not sure, though. <laughs> Looking forward to it. All right. So also, we'll sit with Crystal here. So, Crystal, we have got, we're going to introduce a member of your executive team here. This is Louie, Vice President of Snuggles. Is that right? That's Louie, yes. He's, he's a pro <laughs> at snuggling. <laughs> so when he is not making, uh, when he's not attending board meetings and making executive decisions, uh, he's also uh, kind of a spokes dog, right? He's, he's featured across y'all's website. Is that right? Yeah, he's mentioned our on our website. I don't know if there's any. I think well, no, there are pictures of him up there. So he'll he makes an appearance. So, so I got to see who wrote these questions for me. But I'm told to ask you about his management style. <laughs> <laughs> his management style. Well, it can be pretty bossy. He's an only <laughs> child syndrome, so you know he's pretty bold about knowing what he wants and expecting it. Is he is he a more of a visionary or does he, does he <laughs> tactician? I I don't know. <laughs> all right, well, give he's a man all, for all situations. Yes, there you go. <laughs> yeah. 
we'll give our best to Louie, the uh, vice president of Snuggles. And we've got a couple others here. So, Phil, bringing you into the conversation, I think we've got your two dogs, <laughs> mm-hmm. Rosalie, director of CX, <laughs> as in canine experience, and Jasper, senior vice president of Barkalytics. I'm not sure who gave them those titles. Could have been me. But tell us about <laughs> Rosalie and Jasper. Yeah, I love those titles. It's funny. You know, we were saying in the green room behind, beforehand that the majority of my prep, I think, today was trying to come up with job titles for the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I came up with uh, head of security for Jasper, who because he's just always barking at everybody, trying to scare them. Um, and for Rosalie, I had uh, head of employee wellness because she always wants to be outside playing ball. And nice. Fossil used to be outside with her. So I love it. Now, are they related? Yes. So it's brother and sister. You know, it was uh, intention was to get one of them. And, you know, one of them had a brother at home that needed fostering, too. So they both came along for the ride. Love it. Okay. And then final question, we can all probably all relate to this one. What's it like podcasting or creating content with canines in the house? You know what we might see about that today? Um, <laughs> it can be noisy. So, um, you know, oftentimes that I try and put them away in the furthest room in the house. And, you know, sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. It's not helped by the fact that, you know, one of them really likes chasing geckos and we're here in Central Florida. So he gets plenty of opportunity to do that. Um, and also we live right by a middle school and he barks anything that moves, which is you know, typically kids for an hour, you know, twice a day. I love it. I love it. Uh, and evidently he's big into analyzing all that barking activity. So yeah, I'm I'm sure, you I'm have some dashboards. Surprised he doesn't tire him out. He, works, <laughs> he certainly works hard at his craft. And then finally, we've got two dogs collectively known as the muscle of the group. And that's Ruby and Dexter, our two dogs here at Supply Chain Now. And I'll tell you, uh, Amanda's chagrin. We do refer to them as additional children. But, um, hey, it's good to spoil rescues. I don't know about y'all. They've had a hard, tough life. So it's good to be able to spoil them occasionally. Okay, a couple of quick comments here. So looks like Louie is, is developing quite a fan club. <laughs> Crystal, uh, Sylvia and Amanda, both are Louie. David says Louie for president. Uh, I love that. They're also talking about the titles, the Barkalytics and stuff. Uh, David says no one ring Philip. So now you're just tempting fate. Yeah. Yes. Quick, somebody knock on wood. (laughs) And then Kavan has been busy. So we can tell, hey, uh, life keeps us all busy, but we're glad you're here. And we always enjoy your feedback and contributions. So good stuff. All right. Let's uh, let's see, Kelly, where are we getting started on the more serious conversation with Crystal and Phil today? Well, we're actually going to start our serious conversation by learning from our furry friends. You know, I've been in a few Zoom calls where Phil has had a friend or two sitting just behind him off mm-hmm. camera there. Nothing changes the tone of a Zoom meeting like an adorable dog that's well-behaved sitting in the back of the camera. They don't need coaching to provide a good experience. You could be having the most intense discussion and everyone just goes, oh, what's your dog's name? (laughs) (laughs) So here's what I know. And Phil, I'll I'll start with you. And then Crystal, I'll Mm -hmm. come to you for the same question. What is it that dogs do so naturally that people can learn from when we're trying to create good experiences? Yeah, you know, when I was thinking about that, one, I think I only bring the dogs into conversations when I know it's going to be a tough call um, to kind of <laughs> lighten the mood. No, you know, I think for, for dogs, I mean, obviously they're well-renowned for their loyalty and customer experience breeds loyalty. You know, that's kind of where I kind of think of the segue between one and the other is if, if we can create positive experience and good moments, you know, like we try and do for our furry friends, then that breeds loyalty. And I think that is just as much the case in business as it is uh, when you've got a house full of animals. Oh, and you do have a house full of animals. So we if, do. if we decide to do this theme again, we can do it with what? Birds, rabbits. The dogs are just the start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and Crystal, I know when you and I had chatted and I had shared with you my idea of bringing Louie into the loop here, you actually talked about the fact that everybody's dogs used to be profiled on the UNA site. So obviously not a lot of risk there from a brand perspective, very feel good, right? What is it that you would say you take from Louie either in terms of how he acts or how you feel towards him that maybe finds its way into your member experience work. Yeah. I mean, I would echo what Phil just mentioned. It's that building, I mean, dogs give, they, without, you know, uh, obviously thinking about, you know, who they're giving to, they just like share of themselves. And I think that 
uh, building trust by being able to uh, put yourself out there, like from a member experience perspective, your brand, that sort of thing, um, and building trust with with the ones that you're relating with. So let's stay with that idea of, of member experience. Um, as Scott said in, in intros, Crystal, you are the member experience manager at UNA. What does that mean that you do on a given day? Responding to customer service questions, issues, creating relationships with our members. So our sales team, they do an amazing job of providing that initial service and then handing them off to member experience. And so my job really revolves around building the relationship and and running with the loyalty and the trust that they've already built. And so um, it's being consistent across the board from one department to the other, whoever they're relating with within the organization. And we had spent a little bit of time talking about the importance of communication, right? Because you're based in California, but you're working with folks all over. So sometimes it's emails, sometimes it's Zoom, right? It's all different kinds of communication. But talk to me a little bit about the importance of listening in making sure that someone has a good experience. Yeah, it's it's my my approach. And I think this is probably the same for everybody within our company is if you don't know where your customers are coming from, what they need. If you haven't listened in detail, then you don't really know what you're you're helping with. You're wasting time, you're wasting their time. And it's also a trust builder when they know that you've listened, you've heard them and can respond with and respond accurately with what they need. Do you find that it changes? Um, one of the other things that's interesting about your role is that you both interface with uh, members that are buy side companies. Um, as well as working with suppliers. So you're kind of working as a go-between. Would you right. say that the listening and communication skills and the whole experience creation process is the same on both sides? Or are there differences about it when you're working with a company that's looking to buy versus a supplier that's on the mm. other side of the table? Um, I would say that it's, it's very similar, if not the same. Um, it's understanding uh, who you're talking to, uh, knowing what it is that they they need, but then also on the other side, what they have to offer. Um, it's understanding the relationship and not just assuming any of the details. It's it's listening to both sides. And because if a supplier is saying, hey, this is what we have to offer, and here's our boundaries, and you're trying to cross those boundaries based on meeting the needs of your customer, uh, that doesn't really work. And so mm -hmm. you're trying to honor both ends. If I can uh, interject with a question here, and Crystal, you and Phil and Kelly all weigh in, it seems like to me that in this information age, this highly digitized environment, that we all as a society are making more assumptions than mm -hmm. than traditionally maybe how many were made. And this is, of course, this is just a, a generalized question, but would y'all agree with that sentiment? Or do you think we have more information at our, at our fingertips since there's less assumptions? My hunch is that there's more. My assumption is that there's more assumptions. Crystal, your take. I, I would agree with you. I, I would think that um, I would say that there's there's a lot of information out there. And if I'm understanding your, your question correctly, there's a lot of information out there um, and there's a lot of assumptions that can be made. But I, I mean, I would just go back to the fact that, you know, it's, it's OK to, to ask even if there isn't uh, or even if there is information, I should say, out there. Excellent point. Always confirming, verifying, asking that extra question like Clumbo. Oh, just one more thing. Yeah, just getting certainty. Phil, same question. Uh, are we making more assumptions, less assumptions, or about the same? Yeah, I think, I don't know whether it's more or less, but we're making a lot of assumptions. And it's funny that you asked the question because I saw only this morning an organization that I know very well talking about how within their procurement organization they're using NPS on that promoter score as a metric for measuring their success. And, you know, they said that that requires you to be vulnerable um, because you need to go and solicit feedback that you may not like the answer for. Mm -hmm. Now, where I'm kind of going with this is that the biggest or one of the biggest difficulties that procurement organizations have in transforming their capabilities is that what the, the perception of the, um, the stakeholder, the business, the internal customer, is very different when what procurement believes that perception is and procurement never asks the question. And so that gap between thinking you know what your customer wants and what the customer actually wants is one of the biggest issues that I see for procurement organizations in trying to be impactful. And there's very few that are actually trying to close that gap. 
Love that. Kelly, I'm going to get your comments, and i got a couple comments I'm going to share from sure. the skyboxes. But what's your take on, 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 the, the, on the assumption factor here? You know, I think it's something that takes a certain amount of courage. This is sort of top of mind for me. I just interviewed Kate Fantastic yesterday. She'll be coming up on The Sourcing Hero. And she talked about the courage that it requires to lead change. And I think where that comes into this is, you know, if I ask you a question, Crystal, right, and you're my mm -hmm. customer, mm -hmm. your answer might not be what I was expecting to hear. And there's a certain courage and strength that's required to hear what you have to say, process it, even if it's not what I was hoping to hear, and then act on it. So if we're going to do, if we're really going to outperform, right, sort of base level expectations, we have to confront that fear and we have to be willing to actually hear what people are saying to us. It's no good. Like, I'm not going to ask the question because I don't want to know the answer to this. That is not, as we will talk about, going from good experience to good relationship. Love that. Well said, all three of y'all. Uh, Peter Bole says, sales and procurement are extremely transferable skill sets. Totally agree with what Crystal said earlier. Greg Beagle says, the best customer experience for our customer is not what we think it is, but what they think it is. And our job is to find out what it is because it's different for everyone. And, and, and all three of y'all kind of uh, spoke to that. We've got, I'll tell you, we've got all-stars here today. Jeffrey Ostrander is back with us, Kelly, one of our oh, first Jeff. guests on the very first Dial That's P. Right. Says procurement pros have to learn and speak the C-suite language, business objectives versus functional KPIs. Excellent point there. Okay, so <laughs> the comments here. Peter says, Jeff, uh, that equates to ROI and cost-benefit analysis coupled with the solution meeting a business challenge or problem. Okay, very well said. Okay, so Kelly, where are we going next? So we're actually now, this is going to be really fun because I'm part of the Art of Procurement team. And so I have a little bit of inside knowledge about what we try to create from an experience standpoint. But I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about what things might be behind the scenes. They just think about themselves as consumers of the information. So we have a big, really tight knit community. Mm -hmm. And part of that is based on the experience that we're deliberately trying to create for them. Can you talk a little bit about the vision that drives not just the tactical work that we do, yeah. but sort of the approach and the tone and the philosophy that we try to put into that experience? Yeah, you know, when I think about vision, ultimately, you know, we want to try and simplify the access to insights, to resources, to expertise. The procurement leaders and those that are procurement change agents actually need to have an impact on their business and have an elevated impact on their business. So, you know, we're all about, you know, how can we make all this, these insights and information more accessible? And how can we do it in a way that ultimately drives people to be able to take action? That's a big thing for us. And we always talk about is how can we make content action oriented? So we kind of start from there. And, and you know, I think we have a, a view and I don't think it's wrong to have a view and a, a position on what the future of procurement looks like, um, you know, based on all the conversations that we have with uh, either providers or with procurement executives and based on our own experiences around procurement becoming a lot more impactful within our businesses, but perhaps a smaller organization that's more tech enabled and that more relies on kind of this ecosystem of partners. Um, and so everything that we're kind of doing and the content is related to helping folks on that journey. You know, folks who see the same evolution of procurement as what we do. But it's it's complicated, right? Because you have this vision and you're constantly trying to check and say, okay, are people having the experience that mm -hmm. we think we're designing for them? We're constantly looking back and how can we change this? What feedback do we get? Yep. I mean, we do get responses to things, but it's, you know, who chooses to speak up and either say, hey, I love this, give us more of this versus people saying, not opening work. an email or exactly yeah. <laughs> giving us the gift of their feedback. Mm -hmm. um, um, you know, <laughs> there was somebody who said uh, in the comments about, um, you know, it's the experience is very differentiated based on different people, like people different. Ultimately, people come and they interact with a brand, you know, whether that's a service provider, whether that's something they buy, you know, when they're buying a newspaper, whatever it is, because they want a certain outcome. And so the experience is ultimately them getting the outcome that they want and how easy is it for them to get that outcome. So people will come perhaps with different ideas of what they're wanting to get and what their experience is. So part of the job is to think about 
you know, I, I'm going into kind of marketing speak, but more personas, you know, and sales speak. It's thinking about personas and who are the people that you're wanting to interact with the things that you're doing? What are their challenges and truly empathizing with them and understanding what they are? So you're building experiences that meet what each one of those different personas wants or figuring out where you're not offering that experience, where the bumps in the road are. So that's how you then look and say, okay, this is kind of the experience we want to provide. This is the reality of the experience that we are providing. How can we, what do we need to change? Mm -hmm. Or why do we need to focus on doing something differently? And trying to get a feedback loop from people, right? It's it's the overt feedback that we get, but it's also, we can look at numbers. We can look at, mm -hmm. look at traffic figures for different types of content. Um, Crystal, do you have a sense, do, are you good at reading, okay, maybe I satisfied the letter of what somebody was asking for, but did they really have a good experience almost in an emotional way? Have you developed sort of a barometer that you think about over time for figuring out like, okay, I literally delivered what they asked for, but you know, maybe is there something else I can provide? Is there something else relevant that I know from past experience that will help them more? How do you reevaluate the experiences that you're providing? So we do um, we do check-ins with our with our members. We just depending on what the relationship look like looks like. That could be a monthly call, a quarterly call. Sometimes it's just a random check-in email. Uh, but as far as meeting their need and then understanding whether or not that uh, was actually the true value that they were looking for. I like to get on calls with our members just to make sure that it truly was what they needed. Is there anything else, anything I missed? But then also I'm the the expert that they're relying on as far as, you know, answering the question. And so it's thinking through, okay, this is, they asked for X, Y, and Z, but I also know that there's, you know, these other details that would provide value that's probably going to either come in a month or it's going to come in a few months. And so go, doing that above and beyond um, based on my own knowledge of what they're asking. And if I don't know, um, that's the point of uh, establishing relationships with our suppliers is uh, being able to to go that extra mile with our members. Love that. Perifer peripheral payback. Uh, good old PPN. Right. I want to share this from Azalea. She is currently intentional need hunting. I-N-H, new acronym. I love that. <laughs> Intentionally going after and hunting down those real needs. Uh, Jeanette says, uh, it's not treat people the way you want to be treated. It's treat people they the way they want to be treated. Uh, Jet, uh, John, Johnny Terry Jr., I love that nickname, says customer engagement is so important, includes C-suite. There's a different procurement value proposition conveyed at the C-suite than vertically. Uh, let's see here. Jeff Ostrander says getting a seat at the table of the C-suite requires the focus to connect what we do to what they need. Top line and bottom line focus. Excellent point. And Anthony, uh, the big guy checks in. Crystal <laughs> rocks. New hashtag. Uh, and and we're going to be, hey, let's make that hashtag go viral. We're big fans <laughs> of Crystal here. Okay. So, Kelly, where are we navigating to next? We're getting a ton of comments. I'm trying to stay on top of them, but uh, it's, it's, it's getting tougher and tougher, Kelly. <laughs> Good. Well, we want to keep you on your toes, Scott. We want to keep you from not looking out the window at those birds. Actually, before we go to our next topic, I like this point that Jeff just brought up about talking to the C-suite, right? Because that's not the majority of procurements interactions. It's some of our most important interactions, but it's probably from a number standpoint, not the most often. When we think about experiences, having, Phil, like you said, personas, Having different types of customers and roles, uh, Crystal, you talked about communication style and frequency. Do you have a process that you go through, Crystal, when you're getting to know folks for the first time of figuring out this is a person that's going to want a lot of proactive, you know, hands-on time, or this is a person that's always going to reach out specifically when they need something? How do you learn about each new point of contact and determine the type of experience you're going to provide to make them successful? Uh, that's a good question. So uh, there's a couple different things that I would do. So one is doing my own research on who they are, not just their company, but if, is there any information they put out there on LinkedIn uh, that would be valuable for us mm -hmm. to be able to relate with them? But then also, you know, just working internally with 
so the way that we work is our sales team is front of line. They work with them first and then basically hand them off to our member experience team. And so learning from our sales team, you know, what was their style? What do they prefer? But then also when that introduction is made to our member experience team, asking those questions for ourselves, because that may have changed or the contact may have changed and getting to know them and letting them speak freely about that. So um, some of them don't like to be bothered more than once a quarter. So honoring that, you know, <laughs> but then also some of them, they, they need even weekly uh, communication. And it's, it's just asking the questions because you're not going to know without asking the questions. And so just letting them know we're here to serve you. And so what works best for you? Um, what would be too much in your inbox? Like that's, we don't wanna flood your inbox if it's not going to be valuable. And so asking the questions and, and letting them respond and honoring what what they prefer. Yeah, and we actually have a similar challenge, right? We've been redoing all of the demographics at Art of Procurement, mm -hmm. learning more and more about how that audience is growing and evolving. And we know, Phil, we have a lot of different types of personas in yeah. that audience. Yeah, and I just wanted to add a little bit to what Crystal was saying on how you can think about this from a practitioner perspective. Because as Crystal was speaking, I was reminded of a conversation I had. And it's kind of crazy, it's five years ago, but the um, it was a, on a very early Art of Procurement podcast when I interviewed the head of sourcing at Google. Mm -hmm. And he talked about you know segmentation of internal stakeholders Whereas traditionally procurement might look at segmentation of suppliers to say, you know, strategic supplier, non-strategic supplier. I mean, that's been something that procurement has been doing for 20 years plus now, but we've never really thought about segmentation of stakeholders. So they kind of did like this airline loyalty program uh, where they're using internal data based on spend, but also on understanding where those stakeholders, like the mission of that stakeholder and the, the results that that stakeholder drives, where that fits in the overall needs of the, the enterprise and connects to the enterprise. And looking at that to say, okay, that's a platinum stakeholder, that's a gold stakeholder, that's a silver stakeholder, and perhaps that's one that we just need to help kind of get on their way. And then putting programs in place to, to focus on those platinum stakeholders and gold stakeholders differently than they would ordinarily, um, you know, somebody who may just be more transactional and coming through a purchase on a transactional basis. Um, and I've just always really liked that, that the, the kind of that thought process of creating stakeholder experiences internally based on, you know, their importance ultimately to driving the vision and the mission of the business. Um, and that's something that all procurement folks can do is they're thinking, where do I even start in thinking about customer experience? Hmm. All right. So I got to share, we could write a book with all the comments coming in here and I'm going to try to cherry pick here. Gregory says evolving strategic models should encapsulate information systems to understand consumer behavior, intelligent utilization of such data can enhance capabilities towards enriched servitization. How about that? Gregory, coming through just like Shakespeare's supply chain right there. Um, let's go here. Catherine says, Crystal has a sharp emotional intelligence. We're hearing a lot more about EI in the last few years, right? And I think, Catherine says, that is the key to growing a business through top-notch customer and member experience. Nanda Kishore from Norway. Hello, Nanda. Great to have you here. Says, customer need not have to be right or wrong. The suppliers have a greater responsibility to understand the needs to offer the best and optimal solution. Ultimately, it's the product slash delivery that builds the relationship. How about that one? All right. So let me grab one more here that came from Jeff. Jeff says, supplier ecosystem. And in that space, strong partnerships require a level of transparency consistency and trust and i would i would argue that all three of those are, are powerful but that trust factor that trust factor you know i know visibility and transparency are all the rage these days as they should be but gosh you can move mountains when you you're, you can truly trust who you're working with is that right crystal you're nodding your head you you're a big believer in the trust factor huh Yes, absolutely. So I think that one of our approaches when we actually are working with our suppliers is have we built that trust with them, but then also are they providing that value to our members? Is it Are they just passive when relating to them or is it they are involved? I mean, we have 
relationships or have tried to build relationships with ones that are super passive and we found that they don't work. And so if you can't build that trust with the supplier, how then do you communicate that trust and, and relay that trust to your members? Because um, it just, it doesn't, in the long term, it doesn't really work out. And so we try to build those with ones that actually are more engaged, more involved. And so mm. from, from a from a practitioner perspective as well, trust is one of the hardest things to build as a procurement professional with your supply base, because you have all these different conflicting interests internally, which actually may go against being able to build trust with your supply base because you're making commitments and then you're, you may not be able to follow through on some of those commitments. And so you see so many times where, you know, you're trying to build trust with your supply base and you're making commitments, whether it's on payment terms or whether it's on you know, not taking all the cost savings off the table, you know, allowing them certain uh, profit margins because you want them to invest back in that business. And then the business cycle changes. And then there's a requirement to suddenly take all that value that you deliberately left on the table in the name of relationships, take it off the table. Over procurement, it really struggles to fight those different kind of external forces. And ultimately, mm. you know, you do that once and it just damages the trust and it's very, very hard to get that back. Mm. It, yeah, I completely agree with you there. Once you lose that trust, holy cow, it takes forever mm -hmm. to get it back. And that's when that consistency and that transparency come into play to fill that three-legged stool. Yep. Jenny, Jenny says, <laughs> Kelly, Shakespeare's <laughs> supply chain. I need to tune in more to the procurement folk. I love oh, that. Oh, yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Kelly, I know we're going to be talking about a value-oriented relationship with mm -hmm. the provider, especially on the buy-side team with Phil. Is that where we're going next? I think that is where we're going next. Although, before we do, it's interesting, Phil, because I've, I've heard that Google podcast. Yeah. But now my brain is churning around this idea of everything that happens on the supplier side also has to happen on the buy side. And whether that's... Uh, building trust or whether that's segmentation like you talked about mm -hmm. or truthfully in this case you know it really is building trust there are a lot of cases where past procurement processes and practices have created damaged relationships yeah. so we're not just trying to deliver good experiences on a blank sheet of paper we're dealing with baggage that exists from the past mm -hmm. um, from your perspective if we are trying to segment our internal stakeholders and maybe address some of those ones that would be gold or platinum stakeholders if we could just win them over yeah. what's sort of a first step that we can take to start rebuilding that trust I, I mean at the end of the day with building trust with stakeholders it's it's about actions mm -hmm. and so um you know so many times i've been in a procurement transformation where you've gone to stakeholders and told them this time it's going to be different um, you know, and they've heard that five times because typically they've gone through five procurement transformations previously that didn't work. Uh, you know, whether that at that organization or another organization, because it seems like for a lot of companies, it's kind of this constant state of transformation. So, I mean, you do have to go there and set the picture of what you're trying to achieve and the vision of what you're trying to achieve. But, you know, you've got to expect there's a lot of folks don't necessarily, they're not going to take you at your word. You've got to actually show through your actions. Um, you know, I always like to think of what's like trying to find out a particular pain point and that pain point might not be what you're trying to ultimately deliver to that stakeholder. That pain point may be, you know, my supplier is always complaining at me because they're getting paid 10 days late yeah. or, you know, a team member is always complaining at me because they got to go through three approval points and it gets stuck in the system somewhere. Now, my relationship with that stakeholder is I want to go and help them spend uh, or, or think about how they're going to spend a lot of money on doing something really strategic to the business. I don't want to go and be involved in payment terms. But if that's their pain point, go and fix it, you know, yeah. and show that you're here and that, you, that you're here for them. Um, and doing that as a starting point, and then you can just become more and more, you can build your relationship from there. Uh, just find a way that they have a pain and that you can solve for them that's been difficult regardless of what the benefit to the organization is of solving that pain point because then at least it goes back to that trust again at least that yeah. allows you to start building trust with them and you can kind of grow from there yeah crystal anything that you want to add around this idea of trying to build trust where maybe there's an issue or maybe someone has been appointed to be sort of your your point of contact and maybe they're not you know thrilled about this relationship or maybe they're not totally bought in on the concept um, where do you start building that trust when you're starting from somewhat in a hole? What what Phil mentioned about, you know, them coming from past experiences, it's understanding and knowing what those are and uh, providing the value, the opposite, where it's, it's you're being uh, 
the value that they they didn't see in the the previous mm-hmm. previous experience. And uh, but then also just being honest with them, I think that that is what um, a lot of people value is what can you do for me? We, you know, you know, your limits, you know, um, what your, your company capabilities are, what your supplier capabilities are being honest about that. And, you know, I've had so many people who have respected that so much more than me try to push for something and say, Hey, I'll go do it, you know, but it doesn't pan out or, you know, it uh, turns out to be a way more of a mess than they that they were hoping for. And so uh, just being very honest, very upfront with uh, this is what we can do. This is what our suppliers can do and building off of there. And so that they're not expecting something that you can't deliver on. Love yeah. that. Integrity, big piece of the equation we're all talking about here. Uh, sharing this from Sylvia and Sylvia, our, our uh, wishes and best prayers are with you and your family in the loss of your mother. But she shares something her mother always said. Uh, you have to, you have two ears and one mouth. Do twice the listening and half the talking. Uh, well stated Excellent there. Advice. <laughs> That's right. John Latham, great to see you here today. Says, working in a coop world for many years, we very much completed annual customer segmentation exercises mm-hmm. and used it to help where we focus time and resources. Of course, we never shared that <laughs> with the members. Um, Nanda says something here that, that gets a lot of attention from folks. The most expensive commodity in the world, that which is constantly in demand and short in supply, is trust. And Sylvia says, once trust is off the menu, it's time to leave the table. <laughs> I love that. All right. So we're talking trust. and We are and talking transparency trust. Transparency and integrity and you know, Kelly, a, a ton of, we'll talk about a value oriented relationship. Those are, yeah. those are big parts of the definition, right? They definitely are. And, and so with the time that we have left, what I really want to focus on is we can think about creating good individual experiences, but how do we ultimately build those over time into a relationship? Crystal, I know that you've talked about the fact that you have regular contact points with clients. You figure out what everybody needs. There are check-ins. You're adjusting things differently based on what people need. But what would you say are maybe some of your goals around taking people from that singular good experience and building on that so that over time you have truly formed a relationship with them? So uh, one of the things that I like to do is to understand what their company goals are. If you're trying to meet uh, certain goals within your their you know their company that um, we can help with, it's uh, I think that is a good path uh, to be building that relationship is uh, coming alongside them. Um, but then also um, I would say is just I, I go back to to the trust thing, but the uh, just being honest with them from start to finish, building those relationships off of trust. Um, and then, you know, there's the, the little uh, customer service uh, type situations, like you said, where it's the little experiences, but overall, I think it's, I would say the long-term, thinking long-term mm. with them, you know, knowing the value that you could bring to them over a period of five, 10 years and coming to them with that, investing in them with that. Um, and so one of the things we do is, uh, we don't just look at, okay, this is what they've asked of us and we're, we're meeting those needs. These are the, the suppliers they wanna be connected to. But here's a lot of other areas that we could help them with. Building a plan with them over time, we'd like to help you in this area, that area. And um, and obviously honoring the time frame that would be valuable for them, but also saying, here's what we can do extra for you and investing the time in, into them, the resources, whether it be the marketing or uh, just whatever it is, understanding what uh, what it is that they do and being able to to go that extra mile or 10 miles and saying, here's what we're looking at, you know, five, 10 years from now, here's what would be helpful for you and being able to, to provide that value and let them know we see this long-term um, we don't want to just, you know, this to be transactional. Yes. Um, ABT, so. anything but transactional crystal. Yeah. Excellent point. <laughs> we just fight the football there. Yeah, um, exactly. Phil, do you want to respond to some of what she's sharing here? Yeah, it's funny. You know, I had transaction written down. I was thinking about um, this. You know, I, I think for us, if we've 
we try and build uh, value-oriented relationships with everybody that we work with and within our ecosystem, within our community. Um, and it comes down to as much a mindset thing as anything. And it's that, you know, are you here to collaborate or are you here to transact? You know, and if you're here to transact, which let's say in the, the framing of, you know, we're working with an organization to do a webinar. You know, are we here because we're just providing them the space to go and have a webinar? Are we helping them to understand what their goals are, what the message they're trying to put in the marketplace is, how we think the best way they can do it, what are they trying to achieve, and helping them to achieve that goal? You know, that's the way that we always approach things is, again, digging deep into what you really want and what your goals are versus, you know, you're just selling something that you're buying off the, the shelf, which... You know, it's an easy way to get, maybe it's easier way to sell a single thing, but it's not the way to build a relationship. Mm. So I, I want to circle back. I'm going to share a couple of comments and then I'll circle back with you on that notion, Phil, because I want to, I want to find out what are those telltale signs when you know you've got that, that value oriented relationship with a provider or a buy side team. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, let me, let me share a couple of these comments because Kelly, we, <laughs> it's tough to contain the great comments and thought leadership coming out here. Uh, we'll start with, of course, Jet says, trust but verify. We've heard that you know, a thousand times. Yeah. And talk about something that is uh, what's old is new again, You know, something that's is gonna, definitely going to resurface with the pandemic. And because you know, we trusted some of these supply chains, some of these partners, some, some of these uh, different nodes of, of global supply chains. But at times, organizations weren't verifying it. So, Johnny, that's going to be important once again. Nanda says, in my experience, Ethical behavior goes a long way in gaining trust mutually between organizations. Excellent point. Trust, trust and dogs are the two themes here today, folks. Trust and dogs. Uh, Kavan says, you may decide to switch your supplier, but supplier development always remains an option. And really, uh, beyond an option, maybe a very important exercise. Uh, oh, bring the heater is bringing the heater today. Charles, great to have you back. Says Phil Addison, agree 100% on actions resolving customer complaints and how they bolster trust. And uh, let's see here. Aaron, and Aaron, great to see you here. You and Rhonda both here. Uh, Aaron says, going above and beyond the extra mile makes all the difference. You own that note. I'm not sure if Chick fil A still references this uh, formally or not, but eight, 10 years ago, uh, a big part of their corporate philosophy was they called, the they called it the second mile initiative. You know, it's based on biblical principles of, of, of not carrying someone the first mile, but carrying them the second mile. Mm -hmm. And they really baked that into how they wanted their team members and associates to uh, look out for their customers and, and look for different ways that they could bring value. And oftentimes when we talk, when we think about those consumer experiences, man, Chick-fil-A has got to be on just about everyone's top 10 list, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it just it reminds me of my wife used to work for um, Western, Western Hotels, and they had a philosophy as well that they really built into all their employees about surprise and delight. You know, how can you at every interaction surprise and delight um, your customers? Because that's what they're going to remember. Agreed. Agreed. And in, in this day and age, well, whether we're talking about consumer experiences or we're talking about user experiences, all the X's. But Crystal, you touched on something importantly a little while back. All three of y'all did. Those employer experiences, right? Because we can we can optimize the capability, the trust, uh, the art of the possible if we start at the core, and that's the team, right? If if we if they feel like they're trusted and 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 empowered, gosh, we can really move mountains in. But Phil, um, talking, how do you know what what signs do you look for yeah. when it really and you're looking for that that true value oriented relationship? How do you know you have it? Um, I think some of it comes when you're going through the, you know, if you're selling it through the sales process, if you're working with a stakeholder internally, it's through those initial discussions. Mm -hmm. You know, it's some of the questions that they're asking. Are they asking questions about how to do something which is like running a transaction? Or are they asking, are they talking about, these are my goals, you know, and we're here to try and figure out how to overcome a certain challenge that we've got or how to achieve a certain opportunity that we've got. You know, are they sharing when, you know, it's our job to ask the right questions, but are they sharing more about their overall strategy versus, you know, the desire to get one thing, um, you know, and be very tactical. So that's kind of where we start is we always try and be thinking about bigger picture and understanding what the big picture is so that we can tie in what we're doing to understand, like, is that a way, 
can we help them achieve that big picture? I mean, the, the answer may be no, and it's better to know then, or it may be yes, and these are different ways that you can go about doing it. But that's definitely where I start, is how, much, how open are they in sharing what their true challenges are uh, to help us kind of solution that. Uh, so that's definitely something I look for. I love that. The tenor of the conversations are different, it sounds like to me. Mm -hmm. Crystal, anything would you like to add when we think of those true value? I mean, you've already spoken to this quite a bit during the conversation, but a final thought on when you know you've really got that, that meaningful big picture relationship and you earn their trust. What does that look, feel, sound like to you, Crystal? I would say that probably the biggest thing is that they keep coming back. <laughs> that they keep coming back, they and they're trusting you with bigger and bigger things, you know. And so, um, some of the conversations I've had with some of our members, um, they don't, they may not seem right away that they have uh, gained a ton of value, but then when they come back and you're you see, okay, this is actually how things are panning out for them and they actually saw the true value there and so they keep coming back and they are trusting you with bigger or even uh, more in-depth uh, items when it comes to their spend and that sort of thing and so um it's it's i think that that's a, a huge indicator love it now, now can i just uh, add a, you know i'm thinking about this with my procurement hat on again and procurement sends a lot of signals to its supply base about whether the relationship they intend to sure. have with them is a collaborative relation or a transactional mm -hmm. relationship. And I think we often don't realize the signals that we're sending, but that the, mm -hmm. that's messages that the providers are actually picking up on. And that also then changes how they respond to you and how they see you as a buyer, whether they see you as a partner or somebody they just want to transact with. You know, mm -hmm. and something so simple as running an RFP and going through an RFP process and having that RFP process be really structured, but in a way where you can't do any communication, or you can only communicate on one day and ask all these questions, but you've got to answer the questions and only the questions. You know, that's sending a message to the providers that you're just, you know, you know what you want, and they're just the vehicle to help you get that, you know, based on what they provide versus how would you, uh, giving them the opportunity to suggest how they would solve the problem that you have a challenge for. Mm. Um, and just so there's things like that that we do that we should always be top of mind for a procurement professional and what signals they're sending based on, you know, what it is, that the, what is the relationship that they're ultimately wanting to buy from a provider. Love that. Um, all right. We got a couple comments. And I'm going to throw it back to you, Kelly, to, as we start to wrap up today's sure. conversation, starting with Mohib says, take away note to self building sustainable supply chain and relationships needs higher level of trust, emotional intelligence, constant communication, verification, and validation. Glad I made my procurement call, dial P, today. <laughs> I love that. Jenny says, to be called just a supplier is knowing you're doing something wrong. Excellent point, Jenny. Hey, can, I, and, can I jump in and sorry, add one yeah. more thing? This is a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Uh, folks calling you vendors, procurement people calling people vendors yeah. is the ultimate pet peeve that I have in terms of language because that just suggests that you're nothing more than somebody who sells hot dogs on the street and that, you know, there's another guy, you know, on the next block that sells the same thing. Mm. Um, if there's anything that I wish for procurement, it's that we start talking about our suppliers as partners and collaborators, um, not vendors. So sorry, I had to, it triggers me. Um, so as you can see, I had to jump in and add to that. No, I like that. I think that's well worth noting for sure. Just like Kavan, uh, he says, with a well-designed SRM system, make a world-class competitive supply base. Rhonda also likes stopping in and, and the occasional Chick-fil-A stop. I love that. And one final note that we're going to have to uh, focus on next IP and get to the bottom of. Charles Heater says, mom and family call me Crockett. Now, uh, um, Peter Bollet says that Charles must have been a big Miami Vice fan, if you all remember. Uh, Crockett and Tubbs, I think it was back in the day. So, Charles, we're going to have to get to the bottom of that on the next episode. I appreciate your contributions today. All right. So, Kelly, certainly some big common themes here today. Huge, uh, yeah. You know, Crystal and Phil really brought it, as always. The folks in the Skybox has brought it. But what, where do we want to wrap today's panel discussion? I think where we should wrap, and this is something actually, Phil and Crystal, both of you said, I think in slightly different ways, when we're talking about going from experiences to relationship, you both seem to approach these situations as though you're in a relationship, and then you allow the experiences over time to sort of back into that and build the relationship with the other person or the other organization. 
Um, am I right about that, um, Phil? I'll start with you. Yeah. You know, how do you think about building a new set of experiences? What is the mindset that you use to approach a new person or company that you're working with to try to set things on the right trajectory? Yeah, you know, uh, there's a couple of things. One I would say from a mindset perspective is that I always believe that trust exists at the off as opposed to waiting for it to grow. And what I mean yeah. by that is like, I'll be open and transparent and, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of start from there and then maybe folks will break that trust or maybe they won't, but I always, that's always my starting point. Yeah. Uh, when it's specifically about experiences, I mean, it's just, it's the discovery and we've talked a little bit about that throughout. So if there's one thing I would recommend for anybody in terms of how we build those experiences, it's just learn as much as you can about what the other party are looking for and needing and what's their pain points, because, you know, you're needing to build ultimately the experience around what those are. Um, so that's always kind of my going in point. And I mean, isn't this ultimately the lesson, just to bring this full circle, that we learn from dogs, right, Crystal? I think about that movie Up, where there's the dog who has the little speech translator, and the whole beginning of the movie, he just keeps saying, I have only just met you, but I love you. I mean, isn't that great? If we all go into every relationship with like, oh, Crystal, I have just met you, but I love you. I mean, doesn't that set you on a, on a path for success? It, do you try to take the same approach where you come into each new situation with a person or a team and assume that everything's going to go great and still do all of your work and your research, but go in with a positive mindset? Yes, definitely. And I think you you guys may have heard this because you've had uh, Chris and Anthony on here, but you may, may have heard this already, but we talk a lot about, I think it's the Stephen Covey deposits and withdrawals yes. and just knowing that it is a relationship. It goes both ways. Uh, we're going to come in with you know that positivity um, and we're going to withdraw and we're going to deposit we're going to deposit as much as we can um, and then you know it, it goes back and forth you know that they come uh, and do the same and so they may need to take a withdrawal they they are there may be some times where it doesn't feel positive but you're still going to come in and work through things and build from there and just um and understand that it does go both ways and so i like that that example that you that you just mentioned about the way that you go into a normal relationship, you know, going into these that same way with your partners or whoever it is to to make sure that uh, it's just not one sided. Well Absolutely. Said. Yep. Well said. A couple final comments here. Uh, Nanda loves what Phil shared a minute ago. Start by calling partners is the first step for open, transparent and trustworthy relationship. Quote of the day, I would say. Cheers. Uh, as Leia says, this was a great discussion, but definitely should not be limited to procurement only. And I, I completely agree with you there because I think a lot of what we spoke about here today, Kelly, um, ha has some strong, bigger, bigger picture elements uh, and, and relevance. So I, I really enjoyed the conversation. We got to got to make sure, though, Kelly, folks know how to connect with Crystal and Phil, right? That is very important. Yes, we do. And then we got to get your final take of the day. But let's start with Crystal. So, Crystal. Really enjoyed your perspective today. I am so glad also we, we were able to meet the vice president of Snuggles. So please give Louis our regards, best regards. Well, Crystal, how, how can folks connect with you and the UNA team on the move? Yeah, uh, LinkedIn. Um, our website is una.com. And then LinkedIn, uh, we have uh, our business page, but then me personally, Crystal Villarreal. Um, and so feel free to reach out. Love that. The pride of Bakersfield, California. A, a yes. real uh, pleasure <laughs> to have you on with us here, Crystal. And Phil, Phil Addison, you're, I'll tell you, you're moving up the charts in terms of repeat guests here. I think this is your third, fourth, maybe fifth appearance. Always a pleasure. How can folks connect with you? Yeah, hopefully that's a good thing. Um, um, yeah, easy on LinkedIn. is. Uh, I'm always checking in on LinkedIn, so it's an easy place to uh, for folks to get hold of me. Um, and the website uh, is artofprocurement.com. Awesome. Ton of great content. Love what Art of Procurement puts out very regularly. Uh, okay. So, Kelly, uh, with that, I'll let you uh, say thank you to our guests, and we'll be swooshing out Crystal and Phil. Thank you, guests. Thank you. <laughs> Have a great afternoon, Crystal and Phil. You too. All righty. All right. And, of course, just to close the loop there, that was Crystal Villarreal with Una and Phil Addison with our friends at Art of Procurement. Always a great conversation. I love Crystal's take. And, and of course, the start with the dog conversation here today, Kelly, that the best level setter topic, I called right? It, 
right? I said, this was going to be the best lightning round ever. You know, and it's interesting because there have been a few moments in these dial piece sessions that have surprised me. You know, the, the couple that come to the top of my head, Jeff Ostrander with his great artwork, the circle and the triangle, right? That's, that's one for the ages. But then this idea today that both Phil and Crystal without, I think, wasn't part of our prep necessarily. Clearly, they both approach situations like they're in a good relationship and then allow circumstances to dictate otherwise. I think that positive approach, positive mindset, the production team's going to want to kill me. Is it too late to change the title of this? It's not about building positive relationships. You already have one. Just kind of right. carry it through and make sure everybody recognizes it. Nurturing. Nurturing. nurturing, fostering. Nurturing. Yes, yeah. fostering. We'll get out the thesaurus. We'll get the replay uh, yeah. title change, but home run stuff here today. And I appreciate you sharing that that key takeaway because uh, I agree with you. Um, all right. So, folks, really enjoyed this episode of Dial P. Two home run guests, Crystal and Philip. Kelly, where can folks learn more about Dial P? We got because we got a, a show next month. It's the third Tuesday of each month at 12 yes. noon Eastern time, right? Yes, absolutely it is. And we'll be putting the details together on that very soon. But you can find Dial P has its own page on LinkedIn and Twitter. You can certainly find us on the Supply Chain Now website and platform. Uh, anywhere you see red on Supply Chain Now, pretty good chance it's Dial P. Love it. Uh, and make sure you connect with Kelly Barner, especially on LinkedIn uh, and Pit Buyers Meeting Point. A lot of good stuff there. All right. Uh, and I think one other shout out you mentioned on the front end. But uh, the Sourcing Hero podcast, you've been doing yes. great work uh, on that as well. So, folks, hopefully you enjoyed this conversation as much as Kelly and I have. Man, I'm, uh, I wish we could have gotten to all the great comments. I uh, really appreciate everybody's uh, sharing their in, their own insights, their own their own take throughout the conversation today. But connect with Supply Chain Now uh, at SupplyChainNow.com for more Dial P content, for more all of our content. But most importantly, hey. Be like Josh and Crystal. Our challenge, Kelly and I's challenge you, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.